902, ladies and gentlemen, 88.9 Fighting Scots Radio. It's the morning after, Friday edition. I'm Tyler Trumbauer going three wide here on a beautiful, not so beautiful, wet Friday morning here to start off your homecoming. Alongside me this morning, we have Tubby, as usual, and of course we have the man, the myth, the legend, Mike Fenner. What's going on? Brownies, here we go. Here we go, brownies. Here we go. <laughs> Sorry, Why? had to do it. Why? Had to do it. Because it's a matter of tradition at this point. There yes. You go. It's all, I mean, anytime you come on, you just got, it's got, it's got to happen. Now that we have it in the soundboard. Our soundboard is growing. Tubby. I I'm, added, I'm I working add, hard. I added another one in there. Did you? Yes. <laughs> Was it a dream? No, it's not a dream. I'm oh. not adding that one. Why? It didn't sound right. Yes, it did. I got this one. Who? Oh, crap. Where's that? Hold on. Try it again. Who? Didn't work. I think I, I think I added it wrong. Maybe. I'm going to go with that. We'll have to wait till Monday. We'll have to wait till Monday. But I tried last night. Great. I did it I did it myself, which probably makes a lot of sense as to why it's not working. Right, cuz you didn't have your cheat sheet, your laminated No, my cheat sheet is my cheat sheet is Ron. <laughs> Normally. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not going to lie. But uh no. Ron, can you do this for me? It happens. But uh that might means we should probably check the uh, interviews for uh for the football game, too, because I kind of did those as well. Nonetheless, uh, that's uh, going to be for tomorrow. Anywho, um, we got a lot of, to get through today. A jam-packed show, as usual, on Fridays here on the morning after. Um, we got Tom Reisenweber in his normal Friday at 9.15 spot. A lot to talk about with him. It's going to be a wet night for high school football. Um, but the, the big thing to talk about is um, the six classes for PIAA football. Um, basketball, both men, boys and girls, baseball is going into that. There's a lot that's going to be happening, PIAA sports, starting next academic year. Um, and then also we'll have former guest co-host Josh Gleason on the show at 930 as well. So we'll go back-to-back right there, segments with some guests. Um, my here. buddy, my friend. You better behave yourself. I'm serious. <laughs> I will turn your microphone off. <laughs> well, why do you have to worry about me? Because you don't behave yourself when Josh comes around. Because you gotta you got to muscle him and, like, and strong arm him and say, well, I'm, I'm, I'm 39 and, and you're just 20 something years old, so you don't know anything. I don't, well, if you stop bringing up wrong points, I wouldn't have to. This it, is what I mean. This is what I mean. It's that simple. <laughs> it's stuff like this. So, anywho, he'll be on to talk uh, some college football, uh, maybe some, you know, rookies that have surprised in the national football. Like, just give his overall, um, you know, some opinions on some different uh, ball sports of the like. And, uh, you know, Check out where, where, where he's at. Don't know what he's doing in the world. Where, where is he? Um, you know, where in the world is Josh Gleason kind of thing. So we'll Life find after out. Burrow. Life after Burrow with Josh Gleason. That should be a reality show. Um, <laughs> and uh, we're going to talk Thursday night football, some Burrow football, of course. But all of more Burrow football talk tomorrow as we're going to have um, a special homecoming edition of the morning after in the afternoon. Because it's homecoming, you know, you don't really get up in the morning. The morning after is normally occurring in the afternoon, so that's why we're going noon to 1.30 tomorrow on homecoming, live from Sox Harrison Stadium. We're going to have a nice tent set up. All WFSC is going to be there giving out some free stuff, have some cornhole going. We've got nice cornhole boards with our logos on it. Can't get any better than that. Um, we're going to be right behind the ticket booth on the home side, so the big home bleachers um, right behind the ticket booth there. There's a nice grassy area to play and uh, play cornhole and just hang out. So we'll be uh, live broadcasting from there noon to 1.30. we got a good ge- uh, set of guests lined up. Um, we have at 12.30, we have John Pantilla, the public address 
announcer for Edinburgh Women's Volleyball as they're in action tonight and tomorrow night as part of homecoming festivities and off to a great start. And that, So he's at 12.30. At 1 o'clock, we have Dr. Roy Shin, Edinburgh's NCAA faculty representative, to talk about all the great academic achievements um, that Edinburgh student-athletes achieve. And, um, and then at 1.25, we have, hopefully have, um, she's got a busy schedule. Uh, we have Edinburgh University President Dr. Julie Woolman coming on the show at 125. So maybe we'll be going over to like 131, 132, Mike. Is that okay? Can I clear that with the big wigs? Oh, yeah, that'll work. It's, I mean, I mean, I don't think we can really, you know, tell Julie, you know, tell Dr. Woolman that she's got to, you know, go right away. If yeah, she graces us with her presence, we're going to give her a good five, six yeah, minutes. Yeah, that's, that's a pretty fair assessment of the situation. So uh, all that good stuff. So join us. And then, of course, one thirty. Then we're going to take about a 15-minute break, you know, so I can go hit up the refreshment stand and we go go uh, knock some tailgates over in the parking lot and uh, then head up to the press box. And at uh, 1.45, we're going to start our pregame show on 88.9 uh, with Mike and I doing the, doing the game. And then 2 o'clock's kickoff, Clarion Edinburgh. And then homecoming's full in full swing by that point in time. So a lot of good stuff happening on Saturday. But first today, good stuff. Thursday night football, Indianapolis Colts, Houston Texans. Chu and I talked about this uh, for a decent time yesterday, and uh, we were going back and forth at that time. We didn't know who was going to start. Chewie was giving me reports that, it, that sources were saying that it was going to be uh, Andrew Luck to start under center for the Colts. And it turned out just about an hour later that the reports changed, that Colt, that uh, – Andrew Luck wasn't going to go, and you know, at the time we were going off off reports too that Matt Hasselback was in the hospital on Tuesday, which he was um, for a bacterial infection. Um, but you know, I guess the lesser of two evils, and uh, having Josh Johnson just signed two days ago, um, once he was signed, unsigned, uh, released, and then signed again, um, left Matt Hasselback the guy under center for the. Colts, so I switched my pick from the Colts, which I registered on the show, to the Texans after the show because I thought the Texans could somehow be competent, but apparently not, Tubby. No, could not. And I knew they couldn't. I guess I'm just not on your level. You know, you're not. You just, you just don't see things the way I do, and that's okay. <laughs> That'll come with experience. I'm actually okay not seeing things the way you do. I think that's going to bode better okay. for me in life. It's okay. I, d- I don't understand why they went away from, from Mallet. Mallet was performing well. I knew he did have that, like, injury or whatever, but he was able to return, came back on the side on, had his helmet on, ready to go back in, and they stayed with Hoyer. I could not believe it. I, I thought you would have gone right back to Mallet, but they, they stayed with Hoyer. I don't know. That's a bad situation that, that uh, Bill O'Brien has fostered in Houston. Right, and it's the same. It's like Groundhog Day for Hoyer because he was in the same situation last year in Cleveland. Right. So I, I don't know. And he didn't, I mean, other than that pick at the end of the game, Hoyer did not play a terrible game. He was he was serviceable. He was a decent quarterback. They just couldn't get it done on defense, which is where they're supposed to be their strongest with the best defensive player in the league and JJ Watt. And JJ Watt got neutralized. He got neutered. Right. I mean, and you got to look at the twenty points for the Texans. One was in a ha- one was on a hail mary right before the half. How so, easy was that, by the way? That looked real easy. Are you kidding me? He just stood up right there, jumped up, ball, touchdown. Mine. I mean, Jalen Strong had no. Nobody trying to stop yeah. that from happening. He's just right. he's got three guys watching behind him. That's such an easy play. Right. I I, I was kind of shocked by it too. I I mean I was pretty tired last night, um, so I didn't I wasn't I didn't register. Because the hardest working man. But in then when sports. I but then when I saw the highlight, I was like, yeah, because it didn't re- really register to me that how easy that was, like you said. Um, but nonetheless, the uh, Colts get the win. They move to three and two. Houston one and four. I mean that that right there is a problem. For have, have the Colts clinched the AFC South? I know everyone's been talking about it, so it's not like a new 
you know, question to put out there. But but have they? See now, I'm, I'm I don't know because how can we go? How can we say today that uh, have the Colts clinch the AFC South? But yesterday they were talked that is Chuck McConnell going to be the next in season fire. I think that tells you about the rest of the AFC South. Am, am just, I wrong? No, because uh, I mean, he, he he was if he loses last night, he's he's two and three, um, you know. And they put all this money, all this off season accusations onto the field now, and there's nothing. And you were going to go two and three in your first five, and then also, you know, if the Texans get to win, they're two and three. So you're right there with the Texans who can't figure out Bill O'Brien. You know, changes quarterbacks more than he changes his underwear. So I don't really, <laughs> I don't really know what the Texans are doing. But I would say probably I think with this win, the Colts. I, I wouldn't. I don't think they clinched it yet, but they're they put themselves in the driver's seat, and they're uh, they might be a lap ahead of everyone else on the track. Yeah, they're it, it's kind of theirs to lose already, even though yep. we're just five weeks into the season, and that kind of ruins the drama of it. Yeah, well, they, I mean, it's a it's a weak division, right? <laughs> it's just weak to begin with. So, yeah, I don't think they're going to do much outside of winning the division, but yeah. And I mean, think about it; they just got three division wins in a row. Uh, and which team even looks like number two in that division right now, in your opinion, for both of you guys? I have no idea. Good answer. <laughs> I mean, they beat all three of them, so they already they're already three and zero in the division. If they win two out of the next three in the division, which I think they should win all three, they lock up the division. They're 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 fine. I mean, the Titans. I guess if you want me to say, are number two. I mean, if that's what you're trying to get out of me. But, um, and and look, they already won in Tennessee, so they get them at home. Right. I right. can't even tell you the last time that they, they lost to Tennessee at home. Right. Yeah. I don't. I mean, the ja- Jacksonville, I kind of like the way Jacksonville looked. I think they're still a year away, but I think they can potentially be a contender in this, in this division next year. Yeah. I don't know, especially the way Houston is, because Houston has not gotten to that next level, I think, of NFL franchises. They're kind of like Miami. Miami's All right, so a little if, better. So if O'Neal stays in Texas, if he doesn't lose his job at the end of this. Who? Who? Oh, where's my sounder? Why doesn't it work? Oh, Who? man. That was a that was a really good opportunity for it too. I know who Bill O'Brien. Yeah, that guy O'Neal. I mean, I don't know. Obviously, Shaq is coaching the Texans. No, shut up. I just got. Confused. This is why I don't want to see things the way you see them. I, I knew who I was talking about, but anyway, Continue. do you think coming in the draft and does he? Do you think he picks his boy Hackenberger out of the PSU? Who? Hackenberg. Oh, you said Hackenberger. I didn't know. Who what, that well, is. I served with a guy. His name was Hackenberger, so I always think it's his kid. But anyway, <laughs> doesn't matter. <laughs> You knew who I was talking about. <laughs> Why does that matter? It matters because you know. You're picking up what I'm laying down. Stop trying to be the comedian in the show. That's my yub. <laughs> I say dumb stuff, and we make fun of me, and we roll out. But, you know. If they take Christian Hackenberg. That's going to bode poorly oh for the Texans. They're, they're just going to rotate three guys uh, between three, the first half of their first Three mediocre year. quarterbacks. Yeah. The Texans are better off going out and getting someone. But I'll tell you what. This, and I, I saw this surfacing around Twitter. Is Good job by the Hard Knocks crew to make the Texans look like a legit team in the preseason. Because <laughs> they're really not. They're really bad. And it's unfortunate for J.J. Watt because he deserves better. He does. He, and I, I think he's too nice of a guy to demand a trade or anything of the sort. But he's, he's too nice of a guy. I, I just like Hard Knocks because I get to, just, the, get to see the personal stories on people and what they actually like, how pros prepare for a game and stuff. Do you, uh, you actually uh, watched it? Yeah. You have HBO? No. I don't want to know what illegal stuff you do. Yep. So, okay, let's ask this quick question. We've got a minute left here in this segment. Uh, Brian Hoyer or Ryan Mallett, who do you move forward with if you're Bill O'Brien? You've seen a good amount of Hoyer. You've seen a good amount of Mallett. Um, I mean, you're five games in. You're one and four. You're basically done with the year, I would imagine, unless you put something great together. Um, who's your quarterback? Hoyer. 
Ryan Mallett looks like a quitter. Looks like a guy that's disinterested. I don't care how talented he is. He's not a he's not a guy I want leading my team. That's bold words. You know what? I I honestly don't care. I think they're mirror images of one another, and I don't care. Just make a decision and stick with it. But you're Bill O'Brien. You're getting paid to care. Oh, so I'm him. That's was in my question. Yes. Was it? If oh, Bill I tuned you out after you started talking because it was kind of high pitched and nasally. But yeah, I um. All right, well, we're going to hit our first Hoyer. break here on the morning after. we got to get to a break. Tom Reisenweber is going to be calling in, and we're going to go to Varsity Prime High School Sports up on the other side. Don't go anywhere. It's Thursday. The weekend is so close, yet so far away. What can you do to make it more fun? By listening to the Mitchell Mixer, of course. Each week, DJ Betty Mitchell will bring you the best rocket hits while also providing some news, music trivia, and some motivation for the semester. The Mitchell Mixer, Thursdays at 4 on WFSE 88.9, Fighting Scots Radio. 88.9, Fighting Scots Radio is the channel. This is The Morning After. I'm Tyler Trumbauer, Tubby, and Mike Fenner here on a Friday edition of The Morning After, 9-18, second segment time. So now it's time to bring in the high school sports extraordinaire for the Erie Times News, Varsity Prime, the like. Tom Reisenweber joins us now on the show. Tom, how are you on this fine Friday morning? Good. How are you guys doing? We're doing all right, Tom. We, Tom, we appreciate the time, as always. So, obviously, the top storyline of the week is uh, the PIAA meetings earlier this week in Mechanicsburg. You made the trip there for them, and uh, the biggest one of them all is uh, PIAA high school football going to six classes um, effective next year. Other um, pretty major sports, basketball, baseball, the like, going to six classes as well. Um, I know we talked about it last week on uh, your spot here on the show, and you said you know some it might not bode well for this area, but nonetheless it passed uh, with a decent um, with a uh, decent vote as well. A lot of people favoring it. Did you think it was going to get passed uh, at the meeting? Yeah, you know, I think going in uh, there was a good chance. I think you know really what happened was. I think some deals were kind of made. Uh, you know, the WPIL was totally against going to six classes in the football. And at the last steering committee, they said, if we go to six in the football, we want six in everything. And I think they were kind of just saying, you know, being kind of jerks to the PIAA, and they called them on their bluff and said, okay, well, if you want that, then we're going to do it. So they kind of made a deal there, and I think it backfired on the WPIL. They, they weren't in favor of this, but, you know, the PIAA, you know, they, they passed six classes in football, uh, you know, the obviously the WPI voted against it. Everyone else kind of went along. And then all of a sudden, Dr. Lombardi from the PIAA snuck in another vote for uh, the other sports. And uh, I think that kind of caught a lot of people off guard, and they didn't know what to do. So a lot of the board just kind of went with it and voted for, you know, baseball, softball, basketball, like expanding soccer, girls, volleyball, four classes. Uh, it's just a really crazy day. Un- un- unexpected. Uh, all of a sudden, we thought football was expanded, and all of a sudden, most major sports have expanded as well. So it's going to be a, a whole new landscape of high school sports next year. And we talked about how it would affect uh, this area in District 10. So now that it's a reality, now that it's here, and like you said, not just with football, uh, how does this impact you know Erie County and then really the entire district? Well, it's going to be interesting to see what happens. You know, uh, you know obviously McDowell is going to be by itself. Uh, you know, it's funny. McDowell may never play for a D10 championship ever again in any sport. Uh, you know, in basketball, baseball, softball, football, they're going to be the only 6A team. No one else is going to be up there. So that's going to be interesting to see how that affects them. Uh, we, you know, we'll find out in probably about two months now 
how it affects everybody else uh, officially. Uh, obviously, we have numbers from this year where teams could, could be at. Most are going to be in double and triple A. Uh, and some, and the most of triple A teams now will be in quad A. But, uh, you know, it's, it's interesting. We're going to have, I think all the numbers are due next week. So, yeah, uh, then they put out the six classes uh, in mid-November. And teams as schools have about a month to decide if they're going to play up or not, which I don't think anyone will around here. So I think we'll, we'll pretty much know mid-November where teams are going to be. Well, it'll become official mid-December. But it looks like a lot of Erie County will be in double and triple A. Yeah, so they um... – do you think you're going to see like a bunch of these smaller schools try to try to maybe band together and like form like a an area an area school for well, competition sake? Or? What happens? Uh, you know, we saw Conneaut consolidate a couple of years ago, and they've had a lot of success. They did that. Um, you know, Penn Crest, which is Maplewood, Stegertown, Cambridge Springs, they're down at one AD for the three of them. You could see consolidation there. Uh, you could see some co-ops. Uh, it's just it's it's going to be a mess with District Ten because everything's so spread out geographically. You're going to have you know one six A team, maybe two five A teams, maybe six or seven four A teams, maybe six or seven one A teams, and everyone kind of jumbled in two and three A. So it's it's going to be a, a mess for District Ten. It's really going to have a negative effect on the playoffs. But I guess it's kind of the uh, the cards we've been dealt now. Certainly. So we'll have to follow that storyline as it goes along, as the timeline moves along, as you said, as numbers be uh, turned into the PIAA and decisions made by schools, whether to stick in their assigned uh, class or bumped up um, by their own choice. So now let's take a look at something more immediate. Tonight's action rain this morning. Hopefully drier conditions um, as, the, as the day goes along for kickoffs around 7 o'clock. As you're looking at tonight's action, uh, Tom, what sticks out to you in, today, or in tonight's matchups? Well, I mean, think it's really three big games. Uh, you know, Region 6 has two really important games. Cathedral Prep and Central Tech will play at the Veterans Stadium. Uh, that's for first place in, in as, as far as AAA teams go in that number one seed, which is huge, uh, you know, because the winner is going to play with Franklin in the first round, which is probably an easy game. Losers are probably going to play Oil City, which isn't easy, but it's not horrible for the first round. Uh, but a lot of pride there, too. Uh, Central Tech really needs to prove that it can beat prep. Uh, it hasn't beat prep in probably over a decade, so that's a big game for them. Then you have Gerald McClain playing McDowell. That's a quad A D10 championship preview. They're going to play, you know, week 11 for the D10 championship. So that's big tonight to see where those two stand. I think McC- I'm thinking, taking McClain. I think they're a better team than McDowell this year. McDowell's kind of struggling. Uh, then you look over at Conneaut and Meadville. It's another rivalry game uh, in Region 5. That's, a, that's probably for the Region 5 championship. And uh, really, it's another proving game for Meadville. They're 0-3 all-time against Conneaut since that consolidation. Uh, so they really need to figure out a way to beat them. Yeah, and Conneaut's ranked number four in the state. And that's kind of like a backyard brawl. I mean, they got cousins versus cousins because they're like real close <laughs> geographically. Yeah, you know, and it's funny, too, when the consolidation of Kanye happened, the instant rivalry with Meadville, because there's no other real big team in Crawford County uh, until Kanye was formed. Uh, you know, you have Meadville and a bunch of smaller schools. So it's a nice little natural rivalry. Uh, it gets really intense when they play in a lot of sports, including girls volleyball, uh, basketball, baseball, softball. So it's a lot of fun when those two play. And that's going to be a packed house at Meadville tonight. It should be a great atmosphere. 
Yeah, now we are just about at the halfway point um, of the season, Tom. You put a, a nice story up on GoErie.com uh, today talking about uh, District 10 hitting the midway point. Um, so people should go out and check that story as well. It's got some good outlooks from key players as well for the different classes. But now that we're halfway through, are there what, maybe is there a surprise team? Um, is there a team that you thought uh, maybe is a little underwhelming thus far through the first few weeks? At the midway point now, what, what do you see uh, in, for different teams? Well, you know, I think one surprise team to me is Iroquois. Uh, you know, you thought they'd be good in Region 2, but 5-0 and 0 is a pretty good start for them. It's their best start since 1991. Um, they have a big game in Cambridge Springs in four weeks. Uh, for, probably for the Region 2 title. They'll probably be both on the field in the region at that time. So, Iroquois has been pretty good. Uh, underwhelming McDowell, you know, only one win is against East. Uh, they, their schedule is not overly tough. And they're struggling with these Ohio teams. They're struggling to win big games in, in Pennsylvania. So it's it's really, uh, you know, obviously they know that they're going to play for the D10 championship no matter what. But really one win at the midway point is this point for McDowell with how many kids they have in that school. So, uh, But, you know, the other team that's really surprised me is Sharon. Uh, you know they'd be good with Andrew Tomko at quarterback, but they knocked off Hickory. Without the forfeit, they're 5-0. and but they had to forfeit their, their win over Struthers. So, uh, you know, Sharon and Hickory look like really good double-A uh, teams. They're probably going to play for the D-10 championship, which means another year of Erie County double-A not winning D-10. We'll just have to see. The last few weeks are going to tell the tale for that one, Tom. Uh, we appreciate the time, as always, this morning, and uh, enjoy the action tonight. And uh, we'll talk to you uh, next week, same time, same channel. All right, thanks a lot, guys. All righty, we appreciate it. And there was Tom Reisenweber of Erie Times News calling in in his normal Friday morning 9:15 slot. We always appreciate his time and his insight. The man just the man just knows everything there is to know about varsity sports here in the northwestern part of Pennsylvania. So that's good stuff. And uh, one thing I wanted to hit on is he mentioned you know McDowell uh, going to be the only you know, most likely the only 6A school coming out of District of 10. And uh, there's, a, there's a website that I actually used to freelance for back in my golden years, uh, easternpafootball.com. They have a counterpart called westernpafootball.com. Not as big. Never really grew like the Eastern one did. And they had a writer break down how he thought everyone was going to be drafted, if you will, into the different classes and for each di- district. And um, he put 6A is, has to have an enrollment of 608-plus, which the only one that's fitting in 6A, McDowell, the only five A schools, Cathedral Prep, Central Tech, and General McLean. Mm-hmm. So not really much. So I just, to put that in, compare it to my uh, area where we have, um, you know, a lot of different bigger schools and I think a bigger district overall, when you guys only have one 6A school, I'm going to count them here. We have, I think, 11 or 12 schools that are going to be 6A. Let right. me just double check. One, two, three. Yeah, 12 or 13 we're going to have. Um, yeah, and that's why it really hurts. You know, that's why you only it hurts see a few detail. votes yeah. uh, that are going against it, and it's specific, specifically from this area. So right, because, I mean, I'm just scrolling around. District 10 has even more than, than we do. But then if you look at District 9, they got one 5A school, which is Dubois, and no 6A schools. Yeah. It just depends on the district. But I think overall more districts are going to like this than not. Unfortunately, just our area over here is going to be, you know, and then obviously District 1 is the right. big I school, think this and sets that has up- everything. I think this sets up, and we briefly talked about it, was setting up like co-ops where you'll see a bunch of these smaller like single-A, double-A schools converging. So I think that's going to be interesting to see who finds a dance partner and tries to tries to step up in, com- in uh, 
right? And one thing I didn't I didn't talk to him about. Um, running short on time as we got to get off the air f- next, so we can get uh, Josh Gleason on. Is uh, Farrell tried to leave District uh, Ten, and apparently District Seven was was a welcoming partner, but uh, that was shot down real quick, which is why I didn't think it was even worth the time because that really didn't stand much ground. I think yeah. I think people were questioning why the superintendent nor the principal came if this was that big of a deal that you thought you were being, you know, really like hated on in District 10. But just the athletic director came and I think they really dismissed it immediately, mm-hmm. um, did the PIAA. But they tried to uh, exit stage left, but they, they couldn't do that. So we're going to exit stage left now, hit our next break, get Josh Gleason on the line right now. So he'll be calling in in a matter of seconds, come back, and we're just going to have hilarity and nonsense ensues so make sure you stick around it's going to be a good next segment here on the morning after are you fans of smokey robinson luther vandros joe scott and Aaliyah, and other well-known r&b artists if so listen to the quiet storm featuring dj cr3 this isn't your new age r&b this is your parents r&b soft and warm the quiet storm Tuesday nights from 7 to 9 p.m. on WFSC 88.9 Fighting Scots Radio. 9.32. When I say shh, that means stop talking because we're about to go on air, not whisper quieter. This isn't third grade. Sorry, boss. Gosh. 9.32 here on the morning after. You only had a three-minute song to talk. You had to do it when we were done. Nonetheless, continuing on here on the morning after. One guest to the next as we're going to continue the next segment. Um, as we're going to have former guest co-host, um, interest, the, maybe arguably the most interesting man in the world, um, Josh Gleason, joining us now here on the show. Mr. Gleason, welcome to The Morning After. How's it going? I'm happy to be uh, back on. Don't lie to us. Are you sure about that? <laughs> so uh, we appreciate the time, as always, calling in and trying to get you for a while. You know, you're a, you're a very busy man with a very hectic schedule, especially in the morning. So we appreciate getting some uh, insight on, you know, college football and the, and the like. And we appreciate you taking time out of your, your Twitter trolling um, to give us a few minutes here on the show. Yeah, no problem. I figured, you know, I get on you so much on Twitter, I might as well take 15 minutes, to, 10 to 15 minutes, hop on the radio. Well, Mr. Fenner, since you and Mike or you and Josh seem to, you know, can't stop talking to Ooh. each other, who? And um, we'll, uh, I'll let you start off. Mr. Gleason, uh, let's get into some college football here. Lovely. Uh, so far this season, who are your top five Heisman Trophy contenders? Because I haven't seen this up on Boom. Twitter. I want to see who's up there. I know, I'm sure I know who number one is. Yeah, I think I think anybody could guess who number one is because if he's not number one on your board right now, it would be a huge surprise. And that's Leonard Fournette, the LSU running back. And I unfortunately I regret this greatly, but they played up in Syracuse not that many weeks ago, and I decided not to go to the game. And now I'm deeply regretting it because at the end of the year, I could be saying that I watched the Heisman Trophy winner play live, but I digress. Uh, Fournette though <laughs> has been absolutely incredible this year, just dominating. The best conference in football, uh, the couple games that he's had in the SEC. And then you just look at what he means to the LSU team also overall. I know the Heisman isn't exactly an MVP award. It's a little different. But when you factor in also what Fournette means to that team. and Josh, are you there? Are you there? Yeah, well, you gotta, you know, you gotta keep talking. We can't have you stop talking. 
Are, are, are you just losing signal? Do you, do you need to get under is this a, a tower? Fenner, is this a, a Fenner situation where you got to walk around your house and find a better spot because you're cutting in and out right now? I don't know what else I can do. <laughs> <laughs> All right, we'll continue on. We got you right now. If we lose you again, maybe we'll try to uh, rehook it back up. Yeah, I'll just I'll dive down the list, and hopefully, hopefully it all gets caught up. Okay. <laughs> it's something huge because that team has struggled. <laughs> Number two, I really like Nick Chubb. Same back. They just took a huge loss against Alabama, but this guy is still racked up 100 yard games. Game of the year, and he's on a huge streak now, setting, you know, I think he beat Herschel Walker's record, I believe it was, another former Georgia running back for most 100 yard games in a row, and he's a special running back as well. Number three, I would put Jared Goff there right now, the Cal quarterback. He has been sensational this year. He's led a Cal team to an undefeated record. He's in a very nice offense, but. There's also a reason why people. Mr. Gleason, you got it. It's either I don't know exactly what it is, whether it's the connection or 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 your microphone trying to stay closer to the to the microphone on your phone. But we can kind of hear you, but it's like you're out in the distance. It kind of reminds me of like a start of a scary movie, or that I'm trying to make my order through McDonald's. Yeah, that's 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 a good analogy, actually. I like the analogy. Yeah, but, see, so you got to stick at uh, that level you're at. I don't know what you're doing, but you need to, you need to get real close and comfortable with your phone. <laughs> Well, I mean, I'm just talking straight into it, so I don't know. Maybe, well, maybe it is Mike. It could be him. <laughs> <laughs> that makes sense. Nothing's changed. Yeah. So wrapping up your but, top five here, give us your last few Heisman before we move on there. Last guy you were asking for? Yeah. I I would still put Ezekiel Elliott right now, the Ohio State running back. I know that they've gotten off to a little bit of struggle compared to what they were hoping for. You know, the top currently the number one team in the nation. Uh, one thing I wanted to touch on, uh, talking about Nick Chubb, obviously number two in your opinion in terms of Heisman Trophy contenders, is he the best pro prospect at running back on that team when you consider Sony Michelle? I think it's really close, actually. A lot of people, you know, I haven't really gotten into this debate too much yet, but Sony is an incredibly talented player, and he's also, you know, despite being. Uh, you know, more of a versatile kind of tool option, like a Shane Vereen type, uh, at least in terms of what he means for that Georgia team. He's a captain for the team, and whenever he gets the ball in his hands, he really, he's really electric. And I think, you know, Chubb is a great running back in terms of he's an Emmett Smith type. He's not going to blow you away with speed. He's not going to blow you away with his size. But he's a runner that stays low to the ground, keeps the center of gravity, bounces off tacklers, and he just always finds a way to produce. I think his vision is excellent. But when you're looking at more of a prototypical guy, I think Sony fits that role, especially with how the NFL is nowadays, with much less of a traditional running game. And with Sony being able to provide that role as a guy that can catch all the backfield and line up in a few different spots and do many different things for an offense. When you look at contenders right now, midway through the season in college football, 
Uh, one team you can't really shy away from is Utah, ranked number five in the country right now, undefeated at 4-0, putting up over 60 on Oregon, something that's really hard to do. Uh, where do you see them finishing up the season, considering some of the really tough matchups they have in the Pac-12? But, you know, are they ready to take that next step, and can Utah be a playoff team? I think they're ready to go ahead and take that next step. They're a team that has a good amount of talent, especially on defense. It's kind of a no-name defense right now, but it's a Kyle Winningham team. That's, that's kind of what he's built up there at Utah. They've been productive for many years, ever since Urban Meyer left with Winningham at the helm, and they've done an excellent job especially, you know, like I said, with that defense, a really swarm kind of defense. And not only putting up over 60 against Oregon, but really shutting down an Oregon attack that I know doesn't have Marcus Mariota anymore. It doesn't have some of the great quarterbacks of the past that the Dennis Dixon, the Joey Harrington, those types that Oregon have had. But still a very talented guy in Vernon Adams the third, and, and Jeff Lockie as well. Definitely two quarterbacks that many college football programs would like to have running their offense right now. And they absolutely made – that Oregon offense looked stagnant the entire game. I think the they ended up with only 20, 21 points. I can't remember exactly all the time I had, but that's another really impressive thing is that they were able to shut down a potent Ducks attack and it really surprised a lot of people by putting up those 60 points because they have Heisman contender themselves and running back uh, Trevon Booker. He's a very talented guy. Uh, reminds a lot of people of Arian Foster as an NFL prospect. And I think this Utah team, they're going to have a really tough time because they play Cal this week and then they have to play Arizona State next week and then they have another tough tandem of games coming up later in the year with I believe it's at Arizona and then home versus USC and it's not going to be easy because unfortunately for them they're not in a Big Ten where I know Ohio State's gotten challenged earlier than they were supposed to but they're not in a Big Ten where you're looking at the conference and saying okay we only have to play you know maybe two teams if you're in Ohio State, you only have to play two teams like Michigan State and Michigan, and they're really going to challenge you for the regular season title. Utah's got to play a lot of different teams. They've already gone through one of them, in Oklahoma, but they still have a huge test coming up against Cal. And then, like I said, they still have Arizona State, Arizona, and USC on the schedule. It's going to be tough, but I think they have, they have the coaching and they have the talent there to really put it together. Josh, since you mentioned the Big Ten, I have a question for you. How legit What's is that? Northwestern, and will Northwestern face Ohio State in the Big Ten championship? I don't think Northwestern will face Ohio State in the Big Ten championship. I think they are a good team, and I think they've done a nice job of, of beating the teams that they're supposed to so far. I thought that they were, I mean, they were an underdog against Duke, which I thought was unjustly so. And they beat them 19 to 10, I believe the final score was. And they went out, beat Minnesota this past week as well. They haven't had any huge challenges. They did beat Stanford the opening week, but that Stanford team week one compared to what we've seen the rest of the year are night and day from each other. Kevin Hogan was absolutely terrible in that game, and he also got very little protection from his O-line. And when he did make a good pass, he had a lot of wide receiver drops that game as well. So I think Northwestern's a good team. I just don't think they're in that upper echelon of teams in the Big Ten, like Ohio State, like Michigan State. And really right now, I think those are the only two elite teams in that conference. I think Michigan's kind of knocking at the door, but you know it's only Harbaugh's first year, and we've seen Jake Rudock hold them back in a game before Utah, who we just got done talking about. And I think that Michigan team, though, arguably is the third-best team in the conference right now. And I believe they play Northwestern this weekend, actually. That's right. 
So that's, that's going to be a huge game. I mean, that's a huge witness test for both teams because we've seen Michigan, you know, play a very good Utah team and barely lose. Like I said, the quarterback really held them back that game. If you watch that game from start to finish, you could definitely argue that other than quarterback, Michigan was better in pretty much every facet of the game compared to Utah. And this is the Utah team we're talking about is potential Pac-12 champions or potential playoff team. That's how good this Michigan team is. Talent really hasn't been the problem the last few years. It's been coaching and you bring in one of the, the best coaches in all football and hardball, a guy with that bleeds maize and blue, and he's really gotten them playing up to their talent level. Uh, last thing before we get you out the doorway, talking Ohio State, still number one, still 5-0. and They've got Maryland at home, which is really a dumpster fire in itself, a noon kickoff on the yeah. Big Ten Network this <laughs> Saturday. Uh, but when you look at the schedule, you know it takes until the end of the season. November 21st, they host Michigan State, like we talked about, and then they go to Michigan on the 28th of November to finish out the year. For Does the Ohio game. State trip up before the Big Ten Championship, or do they keep sliding by because it's really been a tumultuous start to the season? I feel like they have to lose at some point before the Big Ten Championship because this team has looked just really ugly to start, and they, don't, they do not look like the defending national champions. And, you know, they had to play an Indiana team that is probably better than a lot of people would be willing to give credit for, but that's also an Indiana team that they probably only beat them because their Indiana star running back got hurt at the very beginning of the game. And then their quarterback, Sudfeld, also got hurt in the third, right, right around the end of the third quarter there, and they had to bring in a backup who played pretty well. They mixed up their offense a little bit to cater more to his strengths, to running the ball, more read options, but... It's still a huge loss when you're losing your quarterback and your star running back on offense there. And Indiana still almost won the game there at the end. They almost were able to tie it up. Maybe they wouldn't have tied it up and gone to overtime. They might have gone for two if they had gotten that last fourth down near the goal line there. But I feel like with how Ohio State's looked, you know, they also struggled against Northern Illinois. They really struggled in the first half against Virginia Tech before hurting their quarterback. They struggled against Hawaii in the first half. The offense just seems to really lack the creativeness that was there when Tom Herman was there, the guy who's heading up an undefeated Houston team and is the head coach of that quarterback, Greg Ward Jr. I talked about earlier, who might be who might sneak into New York City as a Heisman contender at the end of the year. So I think that's their biggest problem right now. The defense is still sensational. I don't think there's any qualms there, but the offense just really hasn't looked the same, specifically the passing attack. Josh, it wouldn't be a phone call if I didn't disagree with you, and I do. So I'm just going to keep it short because Tyler's <laughs> giving me the evil eye here. But winners find a way to win. And until you've beaten the best, you haven't beaten anybody. So I think Ohio State rolls. Go Buckeyes. Go ahead, Tyler. Take it away. <laughs> that that might have been biased at a, for some uh, reason. Well, I have anyway. that feeling. <laughs> oh, H. So with, uh, I, I feel like I, I would be remiss to, before I let you go, Josh, to uh, just make sure that you heard this. So just make sure you listen right here. Brownies, here we go. Ooh, ooh. Here we go, brownies, here we go. Ooh, ooh. Now, before that, have you have you heard that sound yet? What was that last part? <laughs> before before I played that for you right now, did you hear Fenner's Browns chant before? I I had not heard it myself. I'd heard about it, but I oh, not well, there you go. heard it. It's it's pretty great, isn't it? It is. I, I do enjoy it. So there you go. We appreciate the time, Josh, and uh, you know, hopefully um, now when you uh, we figure out where you are in the world, um, you can uh, come and join us more often here on the morning after. I'd love to. I look forward to it. There we go, Josh. Appreciate the time. Take care, sir. Yep, you as well.
There we go. That's Mr. Joshua Gleason on the line. Good stuff from him, Mr. Fenner. You and him could just go for hours on college football. No doubt. And I behave myself. Are you proud of me? You did all right. So yeah. we're going to hit another break here, our final I break here on the morning after as we're going to continue to roll along, come back, and uh, wrap up this nonsense here on a Friday edition of The Morning After. Edinburgh Campus Media is supported in part by a grant from ECRA, an organization that empowers the Erie County nonprofit sector towards economic and community development. Information is at 814-897-2690 or at ecgra.org. 950 here on 88.9 Fighting Scots Radio. It's The Morning After finishing up the last uh, segment of the show. This is just chaos here on a Friday. It's nuts. It's it shouldn't be, but it is. It it really shouldn't be. Some professionalism. We got it. We got to try to find. Well, that. that's why you're here because you bring that air of professionalism with your silky smooth transitions and segues. He's the man. And you bring it down with your nonsense. <laughs> I had the comedy to the show. That's why I'm here. You had the what? I had the comedy. I'm pretty hilarious myself. I don't need your comedic <laughs> all the time. He said, "You're both hilarious to me." I'm still upset about my sounder not working. Who? No, see, you can't talk when I'm trying to play it, because then I get confused. I thought it was working for a second, because <laughs> you do sound like the 80-year-old man that's saying it. You're Let's welcome. go to the NFL, week five. We'll talk Borough football tomorrow. Uh, of course, don't forget about our special homecoming edition of the morning after 12 to 1.30, noon to 1.30, live from Sox Harrison Stadium with Mr. Fenner and myself. Come out and pay us a visit. We got cornhole going, some goodies to give out stop by edinburgh campus media at edinburgh now uh, at Sox harrison stadium behind the ticket booth there in the grassy area not later not later edinburgh, edinburgh now. now um and of course stop on over after the parade and if you do not know the official route for the homecoming parade on saturday begins on edinburgh's campus travels up darrow road onto meadville street goes into town before turning right on Waterford Street, put your turn signal on, turns right on the high street, and left on Normal Street to return right back to campus. So you just do a nice little loop around town, wave like your Princess Diana, and then you come on back, head to Sox Harrison Stadium. Good stuff. John Pantia, Dr. Royshin, Dr. Julie Woolman, all part of guests making the morning after uh, tomorrow an interesting one for the homecoming edition leading right up to pregame show and then kickoff here on 88.9. All right, so Sunday edition of football. We'll talk some about this tomorrow too, Mr. Fenner. Get into some NFL talk because we got 90 minutes to fill tomorrow. But a lot of good action coming up this week. I asked kind of Chew the same question as we were pressed for time yesterday to talk about the NFL. Um, maybe some games that stick out to you. We'll start with you, Tubby, since you're obviously wrapping up your week today. Um, Miami bye week with the new coach, Minnesota bye week, the Jets a bye week in Carolina on cloud nine undefeated going into their bye week this week. The rest of the team's in action. Uh, Give me a game or two that sticks out to you this week that you feel it might be a good contest considering you're such a genius on picking top matchups. Pittsburgh, uh, San Diego on Monday night is going to be decent. Um... Seattle versus uh, Cincinnati at 1 o'clock is going to be a good game. Same one Chewy picked yesterday. Yeah, there, there's not a lot of good games this week, I no. feel. I think that's, that's one of the easy ones to come up yeah, with. Yeah, I mean, because I think that's going to be the one that really shows if Cincinnati's a pretender contender. And, and I think, I mean, Seattle could easily slip up, too, especially mm-hmm. the, way, the way the early part of the season's gone and the way Cincinnati plays in the early part of the season. Remember, it's only week, what, five, not week 15. Then this would have been a whole different uh, yeah. conversation. Right. Um, but yeah, the rest of them are you know people are supposed. To, I, I think Jacksonville Tampa Bay is going to be a good game just because of how horrible it's going to be. 
Jacksonville, Tampa Bay. That's just going to be a comedy I got, of I got errors. Sunday ticket. I'm not going to be probably clicking in that contest. Yeah, that's a train wreck that I don't have any problem looking away from. Yeah, yeah I'm going to be at the Pittsburgh Zoo on Sunday. So, yeah, I think the monkeys are going to be more entertaining. So you're not going to watch football for the second straight week? I'm not going to watch any football. Like, I'm not even going to watch the Browns lose to Baltimore on Sunday at 1 o'clock. So you take a Monday off since you're going to have nothing to talk about? Oh, no, I'll watch the highlights like I always do and, you know. Come in here and annoy the crap out of both you and Fenner. That's why our analysis is better because we watch the football game. You see, you would think that, uh-huh. but you're wrong. What about you, Tyler? What are you thinking for uh, interesting games? I was he just doesn't at think. That. I was just looking at that. New England, Dallas, I think could be interesting. I, I, I mean, New England, it could, it could easily be as bad as it could be good. Put it that way. With Brandon Wing, are you serious? Yeah. Let's see what happens. Being in Dallas is, is big. Right. I'll give you that. If it was in New England, I wouldn't give it a shot. Yeah. Because Gillette Stadium is different. You think be. it's going to be that? Okay. You think it's going to be like a 20 point blowout? It could be. It could be. I'm saying, but it yeah. could be pretty close. No. There's I don't a, know. That's a weird game. Put it this way I'd, ratch, I'd rather watch New England at Dallas more than Jacksonville at Tampa Bay. Well, yeah, I'd have to agree with you. There. <laughs> well, he's the one saying it's, it's going to be. It's funny. It's going to be funny. It's going to be like, the, remember the football follies they used to, the NFL films used to oh, put yeah. out? That's Tampa Bay, Jacksonville. I miss those films. I wish they would do it again. Honestly, I might watch Buffalo at Tennessee. Because I, I didn't want to say it either because I'm biased. I like <laughs> Buffalo. Bad game. I like Buffalo, um, especially because I was forced to watch them before I, you know, before I got the direct ticket and or wow, ticket wow, or whatever. And now Tennessee. Wow. And I mean, Tennessee's interesting because you know Chip Kelly should have given everything and his mother to get Marcus Mariota, and I think the start of the season has proven that that you, he should have paid that price for Marcus. The Mariota. only reason I care about. Tennessee is because Fenner cares about Tennessee. Well, you're a good man. That's it. No, but Marcus Mariota, the, the NFL Rookie of the Month. Yeah, uh, you know, he's I mean, not doing too bad. You know, with a couple of plays here in the against Indianapolis, it's a 2-1 and one team. Uh, if he doesn't make a couple of mistakes, you know, for a rookie that you would expect him to do those things here and there. Uh, it's going to be a tough test against the pass defense in Buffalo, but in Tennessee, I think it'll be an interesting game at least. That should be one of the closer ones, I would right. assume. Yeah, um, and then obviously uh, – you know, the, the Eagles play New Orleans. I'll watch Where's your head at right now with, with Philadelphia? He's, I, look, I, he's I looking for a new head where coach. You're at right now with the Eagles. We'll put it this way. They're one and three. The rest of the division is two and two. So you're only a game out, despite the horrendous start the Eagles have had. Yeah. Um, and also, odds makers are saying that the Eagles are still the favorite to win the division, despite being a last. I mean, I, that's not me making this stuff up. That's like legit, like ESPN, uh-huh. like power index or whatever they're figuring out that the Eagles have the best chance to still win the division. And at the end of the day, that's all you need to do. Because, I mean, look at the Eagles last year. They finished 10-6, and six, but they didn't win the division, and 10-6 and six wasn't good enough to make the wild card. So you got to win the right games. It didn't start on the right foot by losing to Dallas and, and um, Washington to start the season. But, um, you know, you can win your division games down the stretch. Right now, I'm, I already said on this show, and I tweeted out, that the season's over. So I've kind of already said it's done. But at the same time, I think if you lose this week, then it's definitely done because I'm still holding on a little bit of hope. But if you go to one and four, you've got the same record as the Texans. You can't really argue much with that. So if the season is over, let me ask you this. Okay. Will this hearken the end of the Chip Kelly era in Philadelphia? Chip Kelly, regardless of how – well, if it's a bad year, obviously, if it's good to stay. But if, if regardless of how the season turns out record-wise, Chip Kelly will not be let go by Jeffrey Lurie. No. The man – Gives too much trust in individuals. Andy Reid was here for 16 years in Philadelphia. Some say, including me, few years too many. 
He had a lot of great years, but he stuck around a long time just on the fact that he did have good years previous. The only way Chip Kelly's not the coach, general manager, um, urinal cake replacer at the Philadelphia for the Philadelphia Eagles is if he leaves to go to like Texas or something. If he decides to leave to go back to college, that's the only way Chip Kelly's not with the Eagles next year. But if it's if he wants to stay, he will be there. Can Texas buy him? Can he be had? I think Texas is is the honeymoon over in Philly. I think there were enough boosters. In Texas, that didn't want Charlie Strong to begin with, that they will empty out their bank accounts to get Chip Kelly if they know there's a possibility. Even though they can't afford to pay their coaching staff more than like three to five meals a week. Right. Which is just incredible. I don't know if you ever read that, but <laughs> that, that athletic department is in Messed shambles up. at the University Messed of Texas. Messed up, right. And, I mean, Charlie Strong's going to be stuck in the middle because everybody that wanted him in there is basically now gone. Yeah. So he's got, he's got his own things to worry about there. But, I mean, if Chip, I mean, I said it before, you know, Steve Spurrier, Nick Saban, all those guys that were good in college made the jump to the National Football League only lasted two years. Chip Kelly's in his third year. So we'll have to see. But I think Chip Kelly likes the NFL more than people think. And I think he wants to win a Super Bowl. I think he likes, I think he enjoys the fact that these aren't students and that their entire life is dedicated to football because his entire life is dedicated to football. He doesn't like that, oh, Johnny's got to go to, you know, physics now for the next three hours and he can't, you know, go and watch film with me in the room. So I think he likes that more than people think. So we'll have to see, though. Good NFL action. Uh, good work today, guys. Tubby, enjoy your weekend. The zoo, all the like. Mike and I back tomorrow, a special homecoming edition of the morning after. Noon to 1.30, Sox Harrison Stadium. Talking Borough football. University president Julie Woolman joining us and more. Leading you right up to 1.45 for our pregame show and the 2 o'clock click between Clarion and Nenbro for homecoming. It's going to be a good time, Mike, don't you think? Oh, it should be a great afternoon. I'm hoping for some great weather, too. Yeah, low 60s, no chance of rain as of right now. They're getting it all out today, yep. which we appreciate. So we appreciate your time as well. Check our podcast out, edinburgnow.com. We'll talk to you tomorrow.